Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RefCoach. I'm Jack, and as always, I'm joined by Ale. On this podcast, we show the humans behind the whistle through the eyes of referees past and present, as well as the broader footballing world. Our guest today is Lee Waters. Lee is a senior lecturer in sports psychology at the University of Peterborough in the UK, and he's also a performance psychologist at Peterborough United Football Club who play in League One, the same league as my beloved Portsmouth. The focus of Lee's work is on something that Ali and I found surprising, but fascinating at the same time, and that's eye tracking technology and the impact that your eyes have on sports performance. It sounds simple, but as you'll hear in today's episode, it's incredibly powerful for players and referees alike. I never thought we could train our eyes just like any other muscle in our body. Lee share with us where his research started, some amazing findings and how his research can and hopefully will impact athletes of all codes in the future. Finally, he shared some exercises to improve our eyesight and vision, which I encourage you to do and try and practice as you hear them in this episode. This is My Life on the Line with Lee Waters. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it! Hi Lee, thank you for joining us. How are you doing this morning? Oh, very good, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to have you, mate. We heard a lot of good things. You were recommended by one of our friends, Stuart Carrington, that came on a previous podcast. And we saw you also on another refereeing podcast before at uh, Ref6. So very, very excited to have you on. So I have a, I have a question for you. You research eyesight and vision training. What is it? <laughs> How would you explain it to a, to a friend of yours at the pub? Yeah, it's very, it's a very, very good question um, because it's something that's quite often overlooked. So vision training is it, we're trying to make sure that people are, are seeing the right things in order to make, the, make decisions more effectively. I guess there's a, there's a phrase that's being used is seeing is not always seeing. And that's the kind of the differentiation between eyesight and, and vision. So eyesight is how clearly you see something. So there's a chair that's in front of you or something like that. How clearly do you see that object? Um, the vision part is then you interpreting that object or pattern of play or, or whatever you're kind of going through. So I guess what we're trying to look, have a look at is to, is to try and enhance both the eyesight and the vision, um, both from a clarity perspective and also a knowledge perspective so we can make the next decision more effectively. It is interesting, right? Because what you said there about, you know, uh, I can't remember the phrase, seeing is seeing or seeing isn't seeing. You, you, I do think back to times when I've been refereeing and, you know, the, the game happens and you give a decision for whatever reason and you're 100% sure in your mind, no one can change your mind that you've got the decision right or you've seen what you've seen. And then you look back in the video and sometimes, luckily, rarely, it is genuinely completely different to what you thought you saw. And it's a crazy crazy phenomenon no it, it really really is um it, it is something that is coming a little bit more uh to the fore now there's more people getting interested into it especially now the technology starting to get a little bit more um dare i say jazzy um because people are able to to use it a little bit more um but um but yeah hopefully we'll yeah we'll kind of outline that as we kind of go through this podcast i guess yeah for sure how did you get into it lee it, 
it is a very niche area. Um, you know, like you said, it's quite underdeveloped at the moment in terms of, um, I guess, exposure. But so how did you get into this field of research and interest? Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a concept that's actually been around for quite a long time. It, it's been around for, for 30, 30, 40 years, but it's, it's only typically been at the elite level that people actually get access to this kind of, this kind of training, um, if at all. So it, you, you actually will speak to some coaches still at the elite level and they haven't really come across it, haven't heard of it, especially if you talk about eye tracker technology that what I don't understand what that is um so that so that's something that kind of kind of happened to be honest it was because uh, I'm a lecturer as well um, a few years ago we started we started a module called perceptual motor skills from from our from our partner university and a key part of this module was eye tracker technology and I hadn't come across it before and this was what six seven years ago and I was just amazed by it. I was just literally watching it and going, oh, my God, this is, this is uh, the next big thing that you can make some real, real impact on people's performances here. If you understand exactly where they're looking, uh, what they're looking at, why they're looking at it, that kind of thing, we're going to enhance decisions. And if we have better decisions, then you're going to have a better athlete. You're going to have a better referee. You're going to have a, whatever context you're, you're looking at. So I guess it was just the fascination by the jazzy piece of kit, uh, the, <laughs> the, the eye tracker technology. And then being honest, I, I started to go down a rabbit hole. Um, I started to go, oh, okay, so this is this eye tracker technology. Okay, so that shows what people are doing, then is there any way to enhance it? What's the training of it? That kind of thing. And it kind of, in some ways, marries my two, two of my passions, really, because previously I was more into the strength and conditioning side. I was more interested in that. But then as, as time went on, I was more interested in the sports psychology side. It actually marries the two because I'm able to, to start looking at it from a strength and conditioning programming perspective to train the eyes from a, a physical perspective, from the hardware perspective, so to speak. But then I can also train it from the psychology side, um, the software, if you want to call it that, to, to be able to, to look at it. So it kind of, it's a, it's a combination of my two passions, which is something that I'm really, really pleased about. Oh, it sounds like you've, you've landed in a good spot. If you've, if you've got two passions and you can weld them both into the work you do, then that's a, a dream come true. I think, yeah, most people would take one passion day, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> being their, you know, their work. And, and you touched on something there, which I want to, we'll put on the bench for now, but I'm really interested to talk about later. And it's sort of the training, the activities people can do to improve their, their eyesight in that space. But we'll leave that a little bit for later. For now, can you tell us a bit about the eye tracker technology? What is it? What does it do? Because like you said, when you first mentioned it to us, I think I reacted the same way as you said, the coaches react, which is uh, a bit surprised. What is this? I don't know what it is. How does it work? It sounds like something out of, uh, I don't know, Terminator or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, while you were talking, Lee, I and this could be completely um, off target, but when you were talking about eye tracking technology, I thought about something that I've seen before in my field of work, which is user experience. And there are some technologies when you do research uh, and when you have testers on their computers and there's this type of technologies that track their eyes to see where people are looking. Is that the same sort of thing? Yeah, so it's the same. It's the same. It's the same concept um, from because they they use it in marketing, um, how to design shop floors and things like that. 
So that's so that's quite that's that's something that um, is used used as well with the technology. Um, and it's really interesting you say the Terminator um, because there are a few scenes um, where you actually see him tracking, and it's a it's a little uh, little circle or whatever, and he's going across the screen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh yeah, that's exactly what um, the eye tracker does. <laughs> so it's it's literally um, a set of glasses that you that you wear. There's two uh, there's two two cameras looking directly at your pupils, and there's one camera out piece of software puts the two pieces of information together um, and then you're able to uh, then you're able to see exactly what that person is looking at at a given point so so yeah they're able to see whatever it may be in their scenario so it could be in a shopping scenario you could be walking down an aisle and people are interested to see what people are looking at to then where they're going to put their product yeah. in my interest in my research I'm looking at what people, what officials are looking at for to make an offside decision. Um, it could be a goalkeeper. What are they looking at when they're in, going to when they're deciding which way to dive potentially or not dive? That some some might happen in a in a penalty situation. So it tells us exactly what they're looking at at a given point. But what it doesn't tell us is why they're looking at that thing. Um, and that's the important thing about about my research is that. It's it's not only understanding it's not it's not only gaining an understanding of what people are looking at it's why people are looking at it. What's the correlation between when the eye sees something and when you actually interpret it? So you were saying the, there's the two things, which is seeing something and then actually taking it in and interpreting. What 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 happens? So when you when you see the information and then that gets transmitted to i don't know your brain and what how, what happens what's what's the difference between the two two things what so i guess that's part of your research understanding it's, uh, it's absolute simple it's simplest you've got an input you've got a processing and then you've got an output um it's absolute simplest so you you see what you're seeing you process what you're seeing and then you decide what you're going to do with it and then action that decision at its absolute simplest but then you would combine other bits such as your memory so you would use your your memory part of that that's a really really important part of decision making that's something that's overlooked sometimes and it's what do what do they remember about that given piece of information that they're just looking at and that could be that can be advantageous to that given person's performance or it could actually be quite detrimental because they're if they've got a memory of of something, for example, if if a if a striker is constantly playing on the last defender and they're consistently offside, they may actually be looking for the offside more so than are they actually offside in that specific scenario. So that can be a hindrance, um, but it can be advantageous as well. So that's something part that's part of the training as we go through it as well. Is that like muscle memory, but for your eyes and for your brain? Yeah, for want of a, for want of a better phrase, yeah, I guess it, I guess it is. Memories are are usually built through association and, and things like that. So that that can be a a very very important part of decision making, but it can also be a, a a hindrance at some points. Yeah, it's really interesting. First thing that comes to my mind when you, we're talking about this is so on the on the ref coach Facebook page we have our daily coaching videos, and the idea is 
<laughs> the idea is that <laughs> you know viewers um can go through the incidents and analyze them so that when it happens to them on the pitch in their games it's sort of you've seen this before and instead of having to go what on earth do i do the association is i've seen mm-hmm. this before i know the triggers i know where my mind's going on this so i know that it's going to be a yellow card because you know i've seen a clip before and i there is always a difference, obviously, mm. because watching a video is an incredibly sterile environment on, on a pitch. Yeah, there's a million different factors mm. that can influence it. But that's what jumped out at me when you were talking about that. When uh, you you are, have a player potentially in, in a football context has, who has a reputation of, of, uh, having, of going in for uh, full-blooded challenges or a lot of red cards, a lot of yellow cards, that kind of thing, there is an association potentially with that with that player. Um, if they go in for a challenge, you could be looking for that as opposed to it actually just being a normal it just being a normal challenge. So there is there is that potential for that to happen. So so I guess what, what part of the psychological process is to try and make sure that it's dealing with that situation specifically as opposed to something that's happened previous in, in previous games. So Lee, it's great to hear about what you do. It, it's fascinating. And I think, as you've touched on, there's a, a heck of a lot of potential behind it, both at the elite level where maybe it's being used a little bit already, but definitely even more potential further down the system for, for referees and players to, to improve themselves. What sorts of things can people at a grassroots level do? Is it as simple as going up the park and trying to watch the birds really closely? That makes it sound so simple. I'm sorry, but but where can referees go with this or players to improve? Yeah. So, so there's a variety of different exercises that people, that people can do Um, very much like in, in strength and conditioning. If you want to improve your speed, there's, there's exercises you can do for that. If you want to improve your endurance, there's exercises you can do for that. It's very similar to, to, to why exercises. One of, uh, one thing that, that can be done is called, um, is called palming. So our eyes are constantly open unless we're, unless we're asleep. So there's a lot of stress that go, that goes on with it, with, for our eyes. Um, so sometimes we need to relax them a little bit. So it can be a good thing at certain points during the day to, to, to close, to close your eyes, um, and literally just put your, put your palms over your, over your eyes just for 30 seconds or so. Um, and it just completely takes away the pressure from, from all of external environments and things, and things like that. But very, very simple thing. It sounds, it sounds very silly, but it can, it, it can help look after your eyes. And, and some, some of these exercises are about eye health as well. So not only from a, from a sporting perspective, but actually general day, day-to-day life as well. So that's about almost switching off your eyes for that little 30 seconds, giving them a, not a sleep, but literally giving your eyes a rest. Yes, absolutely. Um, exactly that. So you're kind of just give it, giving them a bit of a rest just to, to kind of reset, so to speak, and, and for able to, to go again. Um, and it's, it just helps them once again from an eye health perspective. We can, one of the, the biggest things that is really, really important is being able to track moving objects, especially within the world of referees. Sport, uh, football is incredibly dynamic and you have to be able to, to track an object, a ball, a player, whatever, um, at a certain point. So being able to do that is really, really important. And you can do that simply by 
typically when I'm getting uh, referees that I, that I train or coach um, or footballers, I get a football for them because that's the object that they're typically more accustomed to um, and get them to, to focus on the football and move it to all different parts of, of their, their visual, their, their area kind of thing, their environment and constantly just tracking, just using the eyes though, not, not moving the head, just moving the eyes up, down, left, right, constant. Yeah, exactly like that. So you just you're tracking that object as you go as you go through, but trying to get to the extremes of of your of your eyesight of your of your vision. So you're trying to get incorporate your peripheral vision um, at certain at certain points. So the idea being that eventually you will be able to see things a lot quicker in your peripheral, um, but then you are training your the the muscles that are part of your eyes um, to be able to move um, as they go through it's called a saccade so every movement that you move usually with your with your eyes is called a saccade um, and it's regarded the the quickest movement of uh, that the the human body has oh, right it's so interesting oh that that second one yeah that second one for particularly for assistant referees is, is genuinely something that could make a huge difference because you're thinking about oh, yeah. ARs have two things to look at, of course. So they have the, the second last defender and then when is the ball kicked? And they're both crucial pieces of information without having both pieces, you won't make a correct decision. So that, that second exercise you talked about is something that could genuinely improve an assistant referee's performance by doing, doing that drill. How quickly do you see development? Is it, is it like, you know, training a muscle? It's a, six, eight, three months sort of thing? Or is it like flexibility? It increases really quickly. Yeah, it's, it's like that. Anything, anything from six to 10 weeks, you should actually start seeing some significant progress. You probably would, because it's the first time, let's face it, if you ask the majority of people how much eye training have you done, the majority of people, probably 99% of people will say actually none specifically. Mm. Um, so actually they'll probably see results quite quickly because they've never done that kind of exercise before. Um, so, so they'll probably see some, some sort of results within about two weeks or so, but the main adaptations will probably be like any physiological adaptation, six to six to 10 weeks, that kind of thing. Is there a way to sort of, I mean, other than personal, obviously experience, but is there a way to, yeah, to measure track it, the progress? Can uh, you baseline? Yeah. To measure it. I mean, I guess you would have tools in your research, but say Ali and Jack at home, how? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's things, I mean, everyone's gone to gone to um, have their eyes tested and, and things like that. You have the, the standard um, Snellen yeah. chart. So you, your letters on a, or numbers on a, on a board. Um, so that's going to be a standard thing right. that you're going to be able to see. You'll actually be able to see things clearer. So the idea is for things to be able to be interpreted quicker um, you'll be able to see things um, more acutely, i.e. The, the object, that, whether it's moving or whether it's stationary, is, is, is clearer in your eyesight. Um, so so the, there, is, there is things that you will see that you would see naturally um, as, you, as you kind of go through. But it is good to, like any training program, it is good to keep a reflective log alongside it so you can then see the progress that you're making because it's so easy to forget exactly where you were before and you will think, oh, actually, I'm not making any progress. But if you'd actually kept a log, you would realize 
no, I, I'm, I'm making some significant progress here. Yeah, for sure. And I really like that, Lee. I think that's a really cool, tangible, practical exercise that match officials can do. And people listen to this podcast, ref coach community members, they can listen to this and they go, oh, this is something I can work on. Clearly there's benefits to be able to do this and they can, you know, I can't imagine you need to spend long a day, what, a minute or two doing that sort of exercise could have a really big impact over a couple of weeks. Absolutely. I mean, you can do up to, up to about 20 minutes a day um, because you don't want to do any more than that because at the end of the day, you're going to be using your eyes for the rest of the day until you go to sleep. Yeah. So, so you don't want to be forcing them to the point where they, you start to get headaches, you start to get dizzy, those kind of things. Um, so so there's, a, there's a fine line here between trying to train the eyes, but then also pushing them too much. You could, you could start to get the headaches and things like that, which, which, is, not, which is not a great thing um, to happen. Like any kind of training, if you do it too much, if you push too hard, you're going to get injured. Uh, I reckon I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start trying and do it at night when uh, when the wife wants to watch Mary the First Side. I'll just uh, do stuff and avoid avoid watching that. If if Mary the First Side, if you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, let us know. But uh, <laughs> I'll definitely do that at night. I'm just gonna give it a go. I think, and as you said, if it's if it works for health, um, I health as well. I mean, considering we're doing this through Zoom, which has been our life for the past year and a half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the other, one of the other biggest exercises or one of the, the other biggest things um, from an official's perspective or any sports person where it's a dynamic environment is, is having to adjust between things that are very close to them and then things that are quite far away. Um, and I was going to ask about this. Yes, depth perspective. Yeah, and constantly flipping between between the two, whether it be far away, medium distance, close, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So something that is incredibly simple is you can use your ball again, or you can use your thumb. You had a pen up earlier. Um, you can just literally hold hold the object as as far away as you can, and then bring it closer to you as possible um, before it going before it goes blurry. Um, so hold it as far away as possible, focus on it, bring it to you before it goes, but when it goes blurry, reset, move back. Um, and then that would be a tangible way once again of being able to see if you're making progress again. The idea being that you get the object as close to your nose as possible. Um, so you are focusing as quick as, as much as you can get the object to your nose as, as, as um, as, as close as possible um, and then that would be a way to, 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 me to measure progress. Obviously that's just within your arm's length. You can then start to be um, a bit innovative as you if, depending on what equipment you have and, and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can start you can start to go in all kinds of tangents and be quite random with that but the concept is the same. Um, something that is relatively controlled, that you're able to focus on as you to for um, near and far and quickly flipping between the two. Uh, the the other one would be literally um, going from an object, something that's right in front of you, to then looking straight away um, a, a, away from something. So rather than something moving backwards and forwards, you have something stationary here, and then you're straight away looking at something in the distance um, and flipping and flipping between the two. All of these, I love these, Lee. This is, you know, really great that people who are listening, refs, can actually listen to it and straight away start doing something. It's not often, 
know we've had a lot of guests on, on the podcast over the last um, yeah. 12 14 months but it, it's really quite unique to, for you to be able to give the listeners these exercises they can go away tomorrow and it's so practical yeah it's it's really really cool and i think they're also relatable to different aspects of refereeing that the first first one especially persistent referees but will benefit referees too and then the last two equally just talking about looking at that stationary object and then moving away quickly is so relatable to to everything we do on the pitch we might be looking at a tackle and focusing on a point of contact and then all of a sudden plays broken off to the left hand side so bang you've got a you know first you look and then naturally your body would would follow so that they're really really interesting and really practical and tangible tools there yeah, and, and obviously, obviously, when you start to start to get into the higher end of things, there's there's little pieces of equipment that then can be incorporated. So you have little things like they call them resistance glasses. So something very very simple is so I've got some here, just resistance glasses. All all these are um, are just glasses with little pinholes in them. Very very simple. You can get them for three quid. Uh, they're not they're not expensive in any shape or form. Um, and you can use these while you are training. I wouldn't recommend using them while you're in the game, obviously. <laughs> um, but, while you're, but while you're training, use these. And it puts a little bit of extra strain on the eyes, so to speak. Very similar to as you, um, when you do sprint training, and you've got a parachute on your back. Yeah. Or you're doing sled training or something like that. It's, it's exactly. I was the, thinking the weights, yeah. the weights on the ankles. It's yeah. like that, but for your eyes. Yeah, right? exactly the same kind of concept. So you're having to, to work a little bit harder to pick up the information, but you then take them off. You only wear them for a few minutes. You only wear them for, wear them for about five minutes or so. Um, and then you then carry on the exercise that you, that you were doing before. Um, once again, because you don't want to strain the eyes too much because otherwise this, um, there's going to be potential issues with headaches and things like that. How does physical fatigue affect high performance is there a correlation uh, is it separate or say in the first because i can imagine in the first minute of a game where a referee is fresh and just started uh, you would be at, at your top in in all sort of aspects but in the 90th minute when there's a little bit less oxygen get into your brain because you're getting fatigued and you're a bit more more tired how, how does that affect eyesight and vision and on top of that ali I love that question, but in terms of is it a game that's after work or is it on a Saturday three o'clock? Because if I've been on the computer all day, especially yeah. now on, on Zoom or Teams doing meetings, my eyes are fatigued before I've even got to the game if it's, say, a 7.45 kickoff, whereas a Saturday three o'clock, I might have just gone for a, a walk in the morning and got a coffee and I'm feeling really fresh. I'd, I'd love to hear how both of those things impacted me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really good question, and I guess in some ways it's the million dollar question. And as the technology is getting better, we're able to assess it a little bit more accurately. Um, there is a train of thought at this present moment in time that those that are those individuals that are not considered what's known as binocular are affected more as they they go through throughout a game. And what I mean by by binocular is you are using both of your eyes in in equal amounts. So typically people are dominant in in one eye and that typically orientates around their their hand dominance. So if you're right-handed, typically you're right eye dominant. If you are left-handed, you are typically left eye dominant. Not always, there are exceptions, Mm -hmm. obviously. But 
the, the reason that that becomes a bit of an issue is because as you become more and more fatigued, you, your brain naturally you, uh, usually corrects it. So the difference between eyesight and vision, as we were talking about earlier, vision's all in the brain. So if you are becoming fatigued, that natural correction becomes a bit uh, not as easy as it was at the start of the game. So depth perception becomes an issue, for example. Being able to track moving objects becomes an issue, for example. So being able to, to know what you are, are you binocular or as close to as possible, is, is something that's, re that's really, really important. Does, does the fatigue specifically affect the, the eyesight and, and the vision? Yes, absolutely, because it obviously infects the decision-making processes and the information we're able to gain. Because then you start to go into concentration, you start to go into attention, yeah. those kind, those kind of things. Are you paying attention to the right pieces of stimuli to make that next to make make that next decision? Um, that's questions that that always get kind of kind of asked, and and I guess that's where training such as uh, brain fatigue um, or it could start to start to come into the it start to come into the tone so you're training your, yourself to a point of physical fatigue but then you're having to do a cognitive task that involves your eyesight or vision yeah um, and then you're having to improve it as you go it's really interesting how closely linked all of this is to other areas of you know psychology like you just said your, your attention your concentration it, it's all it, it's as if, so, you know, we've spent most of this podcast talking about your eyesight, but if you're looking at, you know, real well, performance, not just increasing your eyesight performance, you really have to look at it holistically. And each what each part of this forms a really important component. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And as, as I say, it's kind of, I've been very lucky in the, in the effectively found my two, my two kind of academic passions, I guess, if you want to call them any, anything other in terms of eyesight, vision training, plus psychology. Um, it you can combine the two quite nicely and and you can start to come into the emotions part all of those kind of things so it's yeah it, it is definitely something you have to look at from a holistic perspective i saw a photo of uh some of the training you've done with some referees uh i think on linkedin and uh we mentioned terminator but these referees kind of look like robocop with a little backpack and uh and the, and the glasses coming in how is how much training with the referees have you done? How much work have you been able to do? What uh, and how's that being received as well? Yeah, so so the 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 stuff that you've seen is um, an earlier model of the of the eye trackers, and I, although although I say an earlier model, it's um, they were developed probably around two thousand and nine ish, um, and they're what what I've been using predominantly for my PhD. Um, there's newer versions now, which I have access to the Toby two eye trackers and they are, they are much more streamlined. They, you don't have to wear the backpack, so you don't have to look like Robocop or, or Ghostbuster or anything like that anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, you only, you only have to wear uh, effectively a, a mobile phone. You kind of attach that to your shorts or your trousers or whatever, as, as you kind of go through. So it's less obtrusive. The, that's not to say that the previous, that the previous eye trackers were an issue. It's just that it took them a little bit longer to get accustomed to it. And uh, while they were wearing it to, to do the training prior to lockdown, prior to COVID and things like that, I was actually able to do quite a lot. I was actually able to do quite a lot with referees working through different aspects, 
doing reflect. I was actually using the eye tracker footage as a reflective tool, which is something that is being explored now. So it's all it's all well and good saying, oh, people are looking at this, people are looking at that, and making those conclusions. But some of the things that my, the referees in my research have been looking at, I couldn't write in a journal to say. Oh, by the way, to make it to make the correct, correct offside decision, they need to look at the grass. That that doesn't that just doesn't <laughs> make sense. So I needed to know why they were looking at it. So so that so I'm using it as a reflective tool with them. Some of them didn't even realise what they do from an, from an, uh, a vision perspective, an eyesight perspective. They didn't even actually realise they 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 had a pattern, uh, what's called a gaze behaviour or a search pattern. <laughs> they didn't realise that they that they even had one. So, so that was kind of, it was educating them and giving them an opportunity to see that kind of stuff. And, and because of the, the level of referees that I've been looking at, because typically they, are, they have been grassroots referees um, and they've been fantastic and really engaging in what's been done, is the, the fact that they haven't used this, they haven't come across it, and they've been trying to then incorporate that into their training sessions and things like that. Obviously that was prior to COVID. During, during COVID times, that work specifically with the referees hasn't been as consistent. Um, it's only been through quick workshops and, and things like that, which, is, which has been frustrating for, yeah. for everyone. And that's, that's something that we've kind of addressed as, as we've kind of gone through. But hopefully now COVID is hopefully starting to subside. We can get into a little bit more and build on where we were a year ago. I reckon you get a lot of uh, of wows when uh, when you do when you use the footage from the eye tracker as a reflective tool, because now the ways you would think as you were talking about it, I was picturing myself back in the days when I used to ref and thinking about oh, I would you know you don't really think about what to look at, you just go by memory by what you used to by these patterns that clearly you don't think about when you're refereeing, but Thinking about it after, I'm like, oh, I wonder what I was looking at. And I bet that just if I was able to look at the footage of a game, I'd go like, why was I looking especially, at it? Especially if you get a decision wrong, yeah. right? It would be fascinating to be able to look back and go, hey, actually, you got this decision wrong because you were looking at the wrong thing. You know, in terms of uh, potentially there's a tackle, right? And, and maybe you're looking at the feet. Yeah. And that at the feet, the tackle's fine. But what you don't see is, is the arm that comes across the face when he makes the tackle. So no wonder you didn't get the decision right if you were looking at the wrong aspect of, of, of the incident. Yeah, you, you're selling what I'm doing, guys. And I love that. So I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving the fact that you're buying into it because it's not, it's not always been um, an easy sell um, to, to, to some people at certain points. So I think it's more of the, the fact that it's, it's relatively new, although it's been around for a while, it still hasn't been well endorsed kind of thing. And I, I'm being honest, I'm in it, I'm living it, I'm breathing it most days. And I don't understand why it isn't part of normal training programs and, and, and things like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it is really, really interesting to see what, what people are looking at. The, the officials that I've worked with have been absolutely in awe of like, oh my God, I didn't realize I did that. I didn't realize I... Yeah, oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I guess in some, I guess in some ways it then becomes, uh, it then becomes assist, trying to assist them to become a little bit more structured in what they do. Um, because what is being found is that those at a lower level of, of qualification and experience 
they're looking at everything. They're looking from everything from the daisies on the grass to the goal, to the to the goalkeeper's gloves, to the to the football. And then they might at some point hit on a piece of relevant information. But if we can try and train our officials quicker at an earlier stage to, to make be more efficient in these search patterns then potentially they could make those jumps up a little bit quicker through through the the, the process and the decisions that they're making on on and off the pitch yeah yeah that, that, it does make me laugh when you talk about how the, the referees further down the system are looking at the goalkeeper gloves or the daisies you see it so often when you go and mentor a first year referee or someone who's really really early you know first second third game and when the ball goes up in the air off a goal kick, they'll go up and look at the ball. Because unless you've been told otherwise, you just think, oh, you look at the ball. But then when you're looking at the ball, you don't see the two players who are actually going for the header, which is where, as refs, we need to be looking because that's where a foul is going to occur. Jack, you still do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <Jamie>? true. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> What's the future, Lee? Where do you see this technology going? Obviously, you're heavily personally invested in it and, and we think it sounds fantastic. It seems like a no-brainer, but where do you see it going over the next 12 months and longer term? Hmm. Um, well, there's only, there's only a few people uh, within the world that are actually re researching it actively right, right now. And so, so that's, so that's a, a, good thing for, a good thing for me in this, in this sense. Um, not everyone has access to the technology um, for varying reasons. One, institutions may not value it or they decide to go in a different way in a different, in a different angle, which is perfectly fine once again. So, so for me, where do I, where do I see it? I, I see it becoming um, much, more, uh, much more ingrained into, into standard approaches for training. I, I, would love, I would love to be working further, further up With, uh, with, with RFA, with the, so with the, with the English FA, Welsh FA, Scottish FA, any, it, all of them to, to try and go through those, to go, to go through this technology and use it to enhance people's uh, decision-making processes. Um, I, think, I think initially uh, when I've been in contact with different people, they, they thought I was going to use it as, as, a, as an opportunity to, Start, start hitting people over the heads with, oh, you don't do this and you don't do that yeah. and you don't do this and you're making the wrong decision here and you're making the wrong decision. Absolutely not. Abs it's, it's not. It's not about that. It's to try and enhance the already great work that all, all these officials do because it's, it's an incredibly dynamic environment and it's to try and make sure that they are focusing on the right things, the relevant pieces of information and to understand what they're doing at certain points. So, It can it can enhance that it can enhance that as you, you kind of go through. In terms of the actual technology itself, it's just getting better and better. It from an eye tracker perspective, I mean, the first ever eye tracker was made over a hundred years ago, which was actually oh, it would wow. directly con make contact with your eyes. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> and as as your eye moved, then the a, a needle would move. So then, so that was I can imagine that being very 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 uncomfortable. But then we've now got to the point where it developed to the point where you had to sit down, and it would just you, you would have to be stationary. Now it's mobile, so there's the stuff that you've seen on my social media with the Ghostbusters pack, yeah. etc. It's mobile with that. Soon, once COVID's, once COVID's out of the way and I'm able to test again, you'll see the new, the new um, 
eye tracker that we've got. And it's much more streamlined, as I say, which you can see live now. So with the, um, with the old eye tracker, you had to wait until the activity was finished um, for you to, to then sit down reflectively um, and go through the footage with the, with the athlete, with the footballer, with the official, whichever, whichever sport that you were looking at. But actually now the technology, you can see things live. So you hook it up to a laptop, you can see exactly what they're looking at at a given point. So you can give live coaching as, as, you, as you go through. So if they're looking at something in particular and they keep making the same decision or whatever the context may be, you can then start to start to give them pointers of you, you're, 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 not, you're not focusing enough on the left-hand side or the right-hand side or th- those, th- those kind of things. Um, so you can give live coaching. So that's, that's only developed in the past, past few years. There has been um, some talk of making the technology effectively like contact lenses. Oh, yeah, wow. I was just thinking that. Surely yeah. one day you could just have a contact lens with the stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, if, if, they, if it gets to that point, I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to be, that's just going to be amazing. That's just going to be amazing for this, uh, for, for, for this technology. And I think if they do become contact lenses, then you can play, I mean, assuming that you're able to, to, to still see properly out, out of them, et cetera, I would assume you would be, because otherwise why wear them? Um, you, you would be able to use them during games and things like that. So, because that's the issue at the present moment in yeah. time, you can't, you can use them in training simulations um, and you can use them in friendlies and things like that if the opposition say that that's okay. But you you can't obviously use them during games. Uh, so you can you can assume what people are looking at. I mean, Sky Sports, for example, they make a they make a living on um, <laughs> on saying, oh, this person is this person is looking looking directly here. It's like, are they? <laughs> you don't know exactly what that person is looking at because you don't know what their what their eyes are specifically looking at. Talk about Robocop. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> so that would be so that would be the, the, the probably the next big step within this technology, potentially being contact lenses. It sounds like there's so much potential, and you know the possibilities are almost endless for, for where it could go in the future. I'm just thinking once you mentioned that sort of contact lens concept, like imagine a game where it's NFL, American football, jump to mind, where it's you know quarterback and it's all about what they can see at the right time. That it could genuinely be a game changer for how a sport like that is coached or mm. um, not played, mm. but coached. And yeah, I don't know. Run go with yeah. that. Ale, you can edit that bit up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. But you're right. It's, it, no. it could be a game changer for any sport because if you can see what people are looking at, at the end of the day, you make decisions through processing what you see. Yeah. So if if you can work out what I'm looking at when I'm making a decision, whether I'm a referee, a quarterback, a striker, a goalkeeper, that could just be literally revolutionary. Because it's it even now I know as a referee coach, I watch referees and I look at them. I look if they're looking at the ball or not, if they're trying to anticipate a play when they move around the pitch. And sometimes I go, oh, you're looking at the ball. Look, your head is stuck on the ball. Well, if I could actually see if they're doing it or not, I would have, I could show them, I could like, look, this is what you're looking at. That's why you're not seeing ahead of play and all this sort of stuff. It could make coaching so much easier without a doubt. 
No, absolutely. I think you say to edit the the, the NFL bit out. I mean, the, the NFL bit is is really really important because actually the NFL have been um, using head cams for for quite a long time with their quarterbacks, um, but you only see where they the direction that they look in. You don't actually see specifically what they're looking yeah. at. Um, so this this could be the next kind of um, evolution of of that that type of coaching, that type of training. So Luke, this has been absolutely fascinating. I've I've learned so much myself, and I think I'm going to have to set in place a, a program to, to do a couple of these exercises that you were talking about. And Ali, I'm going to need you to to keep me accountable for this. I think, but it just sounds really, really just something good you can do to improve your your refereeing really easily. Lee, where can people go to find out more about the work you've done? Is there anything, anywhere people can go to, to see a bit more about these exercises? I have, I have my own website. So um, Lee, uh, lee-waters.com, um, which is, uh, you can access um, quite happily on the internet. Um, you could, I've got my, got my LinkedIn profile. So um, you can have a, have a look at that. And also I've got, um, I've got, I've got Twitter as well. Um, so I'll constantly be posting different bits and bobs on there, whether that be from a referee's perspective of, uh, or, or, or a footballer's perspective, because um, they're typically the, the bits that I'm, that I'm involved in now. Um, but yeah, so the website or uh, some social media platforms. I don't, I don't tend to get involved with Instagram and things like that. So, um, um, so yeah, it's the, it's the other stuff that I get involved with. No Instagram, because otherwise you would spend too much time scrolling <laughs> down the feed. And then your eyes would get tired, Lee, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> but Lee, thank you so much for, for giving up your time to, to chat to us this evening or this morning for you. I, I, a great deal. My uh, pardon the pun, but my eyes have been opened <laughs> to a whole new world uh, that I think is fascinating. And it just sounds like there is so much potential for this in the future. It, it's quite exciting to see where this will go and I'll certainly be keeping my eyes open to, to follow the progress. Yeah, th- thank you very much for, for inviting me on. It's been it's been good. I always enjoy uh, talking about it because, um, as I say, it's it's not always been, people have not always been open to it. So uh, it's, it's great to see more and more people being open to this concept um, because I genuinely don't understand why people aren't. <laughs> Hopefully this is the future. It'll, it can only help officials and players. So I'm, I'm sure industry will, will, will buy into your passion in the, in the very near future. So once again, thanks for joining us, Lee. We really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. For more referee education, join our Facebook group and become a RefCoach member for free at refcoach.org. If you like the work we do, you can support us by purchasing a ref coach whistle to show that you are part of the ref coach community when you're out on the pitch.